steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we are breaking down the Vikings' impending matchup with the Packers on Monday Night Football, a game that will likely decide the fate for the Vikings this season. Um, if they win, they're in. If they lose, they still have an opportunity to get in next week. But this is truly the last shot the Vikings have at the division. So I know that every game against the Packers is uh, is always an important one, but this one carries a little bit more weight. You know, I'm sure that you know we're not as a kind of as, as a fan base. I don't think we're all that confident that Green Bay is going to lose to Detroit next week. But just to, to hold out hope, um, this game is certainly important and. Uh, if nothing else, uh, there's an opportunity here to keep the Packers winless at U.S. Bank Stadium. So uh, this will be a this will be a great matchup. Uh, we'll break this one down top to bottom like we typically do for our Thursday shows, and then we'll make our picks for the week and we'll offer a gambler, gambling lock or some whatever word you wanted to use to describe what our gambling picks have been this year. Um, I actually got mine right last week. Drew did not though, just for the record. Um, okay. But yeah, so that's the uh, that's the game plan here for today. So let's just um, oh, let's do a Thursday question. I always I, right. I always seem to kind of forget about that. Let me just uh, pull up my little uh, notepad here. Um, oh, well, let's let's do it. We could do a should we do a Christmas Christmas one? Nah, we got sure. we got another week of shows. Don't we got probably one more show before Christmas. So I'll I'll we'll bump that one out for one more. Um, I'll do one that I uh, that I that I mentioned to you in the past. Uh, what is one basic life skill that you're bad at? One basic. There's a lot of those. Um, anything to deal with it, to do with a car. Well, yeah, that, like, is that like, a, I don't think that counts as a basic life skill anymore. With cars. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I mean, how about cooking? Cooking. Cooking. Cooking food. I I'm trying to learn. Yeah. Like, uh, like I can make pasta can make like i I, now I like to buy ingredients for homemade pizza now um which means which means I, I buy a crust that's already made and i just heat it up and then put like the sauce and the cheese on it so it's not even that hard to make right um it sounds like you need a crock pot <clears throat> i do i use an air fryer to make frozen food okay uh, i don't actually like get you know <clears throat> like pork and like keep in the end of crock pot all day or anything like that so that's what you I'm, need. That's I'm the very starter much pack a, for cooking. Yeah, very much a novice when it when it comes to cooking. I'll go with that for now. I'm not good at. I'm not particularly good at cooking either. Um, I that's why I do use a, cr- a crock pot. Just throw a bunch of meat in there in the morning, then come home and dinner's on the table. Uh, for me, I I I came up with this question. And I'm just gonna go with the answer with the reason why I came up with it. I'm really bad at spreading cream cheese on bagels. <laughs> It's this. Is, so when I came, when I was, <laughs> what happened was I went and got a dozen bagels or a baker's dozen at uh, at Brugger's, and I came back, and I was 
you know how they do it, like when they make the bagel in front of you, they make it look so easy, right? They just like they grab a scoop, they slobber it on there, and just you know, no problem. I'm absolutely awful at putting cream cheese on bagels, and for that reason, I tend to refrain from doing so, even though I do enjoy cream cheese. Okay. So uh, that's one life skill that I'm not particularly good at. So if you have any uh, fun life skills to share with us, feel free to drop. Oh, that here's in the here's section. what I'm really bad at as well is when you're filling up your car with gas and getting exactly zeros like like yeah, yeah. on the number I'm why really is that a thing that. why is that that's becoming a th- i've seen other people bring this up now this is well, becoming like a thing so i with my old car i'd always fill it up 30 bucks and so right. i would like try and get 30 every time and i was like you know seven percent hitting it on the number and I, I would usually stop short of it like well short of it just so i could try and get it you know Right, on the right. dot. I always end up like 3002, 3003, But you know what's a really easy way to just bypass that? Just go into the gas station and hand them thirty bucks. Yeah, but that's not as fun. It's not yeah, okay. Fair enough. I it's like it's, being spoiled in like uh, you know, your favorite T V show. I I I don't think I understand the connection there, but I I, under, I I hear I get understand where you're going with on this. You don't get uh, uh, all right. We we we've lost we've lost the, <laughs> they, the they conversation. Already, they already turned off the show. All right, um, let's talk about the Vikings and Packers, shall we? That should be fun. We can do that. We can do it's that. It's more well. fun than talking about gas at thirty bucks <laughs> or whatever. All right, so uh, the Vikings have already played the Packers once this season, as I'm sure you guys are all too familiar with. Uh, The result of that game has kind of put the Vikings in a bit of a bind. We talked about that a bit on the last show. Uh, Last time these two teams met, it did not go great in the first quarter for Minnesota. They allowed 14 points, and that kind of put put Green Bay in the driver's seat basically for the rest of the game. Uh, They, I mean, they essentially allowed 21 in the first quarter because I believe that they scored on one of the first plays of the second quarter as well. To the well, Vikings, nothing. yeah, the Vikings found themselves down twenty-one to nothing almost immediately, and Delvin Cook was able to sort of re-energize uh, not just the team but the fan base as well, and kind of give the Vikings a fighting chance uh, with that quick uh, what was a seventy-five yard-ish touchdown mm-hmm. um, to get the Vikings right back into it. Uh, the problem that all that ultimately that this game ultimately came down to was a, a poor decision by Kirk Cousins to throw into the back of the end zone, trying to give him. Trying to give his guy a chance, as he described it, that ball was intercepted. Vikings ultimately dropped this game 21 to 16, and because of that, we now face a situation where it seems rather unlikely that Minnesota is going to get a, uh, you know, even have a chance to win the NFC North uh, division. They're going to end up being a five or a six seed as a wild card. Uh, so this game, as you mentioned, uh, you know multiple times in the past, on the last show that that game kind of ruined the Vikings season you know you started predicting I think maybe a week or two later that the Packers had wrapped up the division and it certainly seems like that uh, statement is going to prove accurate here however all of that being said you know that game is in the past there's nothing we can do to change that uh, this the outcome of this game could still very well matter uh, Green Bay does have to play in the division next week I know that it's David Blau um, I know that, you know. Maybe Kyle Sloter. Maybe Kyle Sloter. I know that, that. You know, how great would that be, by the way, if Kyle yeah. Sloter was to play and to beat Green Bay? That would be. I do think there's a, a better chance than most people think. It, it. We'll get into how I feel about Green Bay, and I'm usually uh, pretty scared of Green Bay just because of how much I respect Aaron Rodgers. But 
I am not as uh, high on the Packers this year, and I feel like a road game in the division, uh, depending on what kind of motivation Detroit has, who knows? They might they might pull something up. Who knows? They might go Cardinals 2003, uh, you know, like the way they the Cardinals did at the Vikings that year. Yep. But we'll get into that next week. Well, we look at this situation with the Packers, and Packers fans love to talk about how the Vikings have never beaten anyone. Or, excuse me, not beaten anyone this season. Now, you look at the, what the Packers have done this year, they really haven't beaten anyone either. They beat the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes. They beat the Cowboys just like the Vikings did. And they lost to San Francisco. Well, they got shredded by San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, they lost to the Chargers as well. They lost to Oakland. Excuse me, they beat Oakland. So you look at their resume, and their collective like uh, their collective resume is not all that much better than the Vikings. It really is. It's not really any better besides the fact. I mean, the only thing they got going for them in terms of head to head is that they played one quarter like significantly better than the Vikings week one yep. or week two, and that resulted in a win. Their um, strength of victory is mostly a product of beating Matt Moore and beating the Vikings themselves. That's yeah. That's really the difference here. Yeah. They haven't really beat – I mean, they have a couple of really bad losses. Yeah. Philly at home. Uh, the Chargers, they lost by, like, what, 15 or 20 or something like that. And that was – really, that game was more out of hand than the score yeah. ultimately said and, it was And too. that Niners game was never close for a second. No. No. Yeah. I mean, in their losses, they've looked really bad. And then, basically, in their wins, aside from uh, the Vikings game, and then – you know, aside from uh, maybe Dallas, you know, they've, and then the Chiefs game, I suppose, if what you want to feel about Matt Moore there, um, they've looked, they've looked not, they haven't like blown out the weaker opponents either. Uh, they haven't, I mean, Washington last week or two, was that last week when they won 20 to 15? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. You know, they, that's a team that you should take care of, no problem, get out of there, win by right. double digits. And, uh, Dwayne Haskins and Adrian Peterson stuck around. Bill Callahan and his 1974 offense stuck around. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just I'm. They don't threaten. They don't pose the the threat that they used to on offense and then defensively. I think there's a lot of talent in the secondary. They they're got better than they were rushers. last year. We got, they got a couple good pass rushers, but I, I, they're not stopping the run consistently. They, they don't scare me as much there either or enough to. I mean, they might be. That they seem pretty weak as an eleven and three team. Like as a two seed, eleven and three, you think, oh, that's a dominant team. Definitely get scared of them. I don't feel like that way at all. Um, I might almost say, I think Green Bay and Dallas are very comparable right now. That's an interesting perspective. I think that we we'll, we both kind of will enter this bra- uh, this breakdown here as you know, not that impressed with the Packers. I, I'm, I'm generally on the same page as you. I don't think that it's bias either. I mean, granted, I am a Vikings fan. I inherently hate the Packers, just like you guys do. But I do watch literally every Packers game that I can, for mostly for this show, to be honest with you, so that I have a good perspective on, you know, when these two teams do meet, because it's, you know, arguably the most important matchup every single year. And I, I'm, I'm just honestly not that impressed with the overall collection of talent that they have compiled here and how they are performing as a unit. Well, two different units, I suppose. And that really, to me, that starts with Aaron Rodgers because, as you have pointed out numerous times in the past, uh, he's one of the best players to ever play the quarterback position, period. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
We've established that as a group. We can collectively say that even though we don't like Aaron Rodgers personally, professionally, any of that, uh, he's still a hell of a quarterback. Okay? So we've established that. The The point that I want to make here, though, is that he's not the same Aaron Rodgers that he was even two years ago, let alone four or five years ago when he was really peaking and you know won his Super Bowl and whatnot. He doesn't seem to be that same guy. Now, can he still throw that dart downfield while rolling out to, you know, his right side and, you know, make the defense look pedestrian and, you know, make basically just be the most annoying player of all time? Yeah, he can still do those things. He just hasn't been doing them as consistently. And when he was in the MVP race earlier this year, he really wasn't like he wasn't on the same pedestal as the guys that he was being evaluated next to. In terms of performance this season alone, he has not played to the level that Russell Wilson has, that Lamar Jackson has, that Patrick Mahomes has, that Kirk Cousins has, that Kirk Cousins has. He simply has not been the best quarterback. He hasn't been the best quarterback in the league. He barely, you can make an argument that he hasn't been the best quarterback in this division. Okay. So that's kind of where I stand with Aaron Rodgers. Now, does he still have the talent to get the job done? Is he still the most dangerous player on this roster? You know, is he still very good at his position relative to the rest of the NFL? Absolutely. All of those statements are true. But he's not as scary as he used to be, in my opinion. No, he's not. Um, I think I saw, um, I don't know if you follow, I think it's Ben Ben Baldwin on Twitter. He does a lot of analytics stuff, evaluating quarterbacks with, you know, advanced stats and whatnot. But basically he kind of, uh, he didn't even, this wasn't even a stat per se. He just kind of came to a conclusion based on looking at his, his dad and whatnot and said you know people tend to uh overrate quarterbacks who make big splash plays uh or kind of pull things out of their backside if i guess if you know what i'm saying rogers has a tendency to do that quite a bit um or he'll kind of scramble around and and make a play out of nothing uh mahomes has done that before you know russell wilson does that a little bit but then at the same time the guys who kind of just uh make the throws they need to make consistently on time uh, those type of players, a la Kirk Cousins, uh, are a little bit underrated for the most part. And a lot of that's just due to, you know, a public perception. You know, when you see those big splash plays, the you big wow the big factor. You remember the a lot more than yeah, you remember right. the eight-yard slant over the middle that was Absolutely, for because first down. Right, because, I mean, even like, you know, the deep bombs that Kirk is throwing to Diggs, for example. Like, other quarterbacks do that all the time, you know. But it's the consistency that Kirk has done that this year. Uh, kind of surpasses everybody else, but you just you do see those plays from every quarterback because every quarterback that starts can make a 50-yard throw once in a while, and it, it'll show up. It just doesn't ha- happen as consistently. So, um, I guess the point I'm wrapping up to here is, you know, Rogers the his consistency with accuracy and and um, the the ability to just pick apart a defense has seemingly dropped off this year, and maybe it's because they're running the ball a little bit more. Uh, they're really getting Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams involved a ton this year, mm-hmm. which I think they should be getting Jones even more involved because he's way better. Um, but that's a point for the later later time in the show. But uh, Rodgers is definitely vulnerable, um, and outside of Devonte Adams at receiver, they don't really have a ton, so they're kind of limited there too. Yeah, you look at the statistics for Rodgers this year. Uh, you know, he's sitting his, – his statistics are still fairly impressive, I think. You know, 24-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio, that always looks great. But Rodgers also has this tendency where he just will – he refuses to throw interceptions, which obviously is a good trait. 
But he well, also he's, got, he's he's being criticized now, kind of the same way I think Teddy was with 2015 or 2016 when, uh, or 20 yeah 2015 when his interception numbers were low, but it was because like he wasn't he willing to away. take the risk. He threw the ball away a ton, right? Um, and Rodgers is getting the same type of thing, and people are like, well, he's not throwing interceptions, and the other side is saying, well, yeah, if you throw it away, you know, 10 percent of the time or whatever it is, um, that's gonna take down your interception numbers instead of you take any risks. And I have if you think about the way he plays and watching the Packers games, it does seem like he's not throwing passes unless the guy is wide open. Like it seems like he doesn't trust his receivers besides Devontae Adams to make contested catches. Can you catches. really blame him though? Uh, no, you can't. You can't. Cause you got what well, Alan Lazard, you have Valdez scaling who basically just runs in a straight line. Jake Kumaro. Uh, I mean, it's not like he has a ton There's to work with. There's not a lot to him. love. Yeah. Basically Aaron Jones is their top slot receiver. So he'll go out there, line up in the slide, he'll run a flag route or something. But there's not a lot out there. So to his defense, I guess I understand that. But at the same time, even when he is forced to make a basic throw on a slant or uh, an out route, the accuracy is wavering a little bit more than it has in the past. Yeah, you know, we're you we have gotten kind of used to seeing his completion percentage to be very close to 70% every year. Uh, he's dropped below 64% this year at 63.3. So that's certainly not Aaron Rodgers-esque, but that's just one statistic. You know, you also look at his yards per attempt. It's at 7.3 right now. You know, that's by no means, again, by no means not a bad yards per attempt, but it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's just not that these simply are not the numbers that we expect to see from the guy that, you know, has been harassing Vikings fans for years. Straight mm-hmm. up. Like, the, he just... He is not having as good of a year this year as we are used to seeing. And I think you can make a very strong argument that Kirk Cousins is having a better year. Statistically, I think it's pretty much definitive that, I mean, Cousins' statistics are better, period. The question being here is which quarterback would you rather have in this matchup? And I think a lot of Vikings fans would still have some reservation picking Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers. That being said, you know, it is a lot closer than it was at this time last year. I'm a lot more comfortable with Kirk Cousins going up against Aaron Rodgers this year. And that's partially because Cousins has gotten better, more, you know, making better decisions, um, being less careless with the football. He's also got a you know, better crop of players to, you know, work with than Rodgers does. And part of that is just the fact that it, it's, it's plain and simple, folks. Rodgers has dropped off a little bit. I don't think that it's, you know, it's not blasphemy to say that a player has kind of fallen off from being, you know, the pinnacle of the position. It's just simply facts right now. And, you know, he could still easily come out and throw for 400 yards against his Vikings secondary. This is not to take away from his overall ability or his overall talent, but his season to date through 15 games, we basically have the full sample size. It has not been great for Aaron Rodgers this year. It's been solid. That's really what it's been. This is not top Mm -hmm. 10, top 5 Aaron Rodgers. This is more like, you know, good quarterback of a solid roster with a competent coach that's winning football games against a lot of bad teams. That's what I'm seeing overall from Rodgers. So you mentioned some other pieces here on this roster. Let's dig into some of these other guys because Aaron Jones is probably the biggest piece here. You know, him and Devontae Adams, who, by the way, is also having a very down year. I believe he's just scored his second touchdown of the season. I I mean, he missed a bunch of games with that injury, so I got to – I got to – Cut on some slack there because he had that I think Turto and missed like four or right. five games, but and that can be um, very because yeah for a while for a too. while his top receiver was like Ronald by Allison or or I mean Aaron Jones really like I remember there was that stretch of games where 
they basically threw the ball to Eric Jones and Jamal Williams exclusively because Adams was unavailable. But. Right. And there was actually a point amongst Packers fans that <laughs> I saw this on Twitter. This was, and this is not by intelligent Packers fans. This is more the dramatic kind of whimsical Packers fans. They wanted to trade Devontae Adams so that Rodgers wouldn't focus on him. <laughs> I was like, you guys, like that's your only good target right now. That's really the only good option. So let's go. Let's before. Let's let's do the running backs first. You mentioned before, and that's that's facts. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have basically been sp- splitting time this year. Uh, it seems to me like Jones tends to get about sixty percent of the snaps, whereas Williams gets about forty percent. Uh, the differential there, to me, from you know my soft analyzation of what I see on TV, is Williams tends to be a better blocker. He's also mm-hmm. he's just a little bit bigger as a human being. So, in a situation where Rodgers is in need of extra protection. Williams tends to be the guy on the field that's eating up that block, whereas Jones really came out of college as a as a scat back. He's gotten bigger, and he's been able to run between the tackles a little bit more. Uh, he's improved in that fashion throughout his career, but he still is not – like Williams is a bigger dude. He could be a fullback, really, um, and he's able to take on those blocks a little bit better. He's a solid runner. He does not have the explosion that Jones has. Jones is your home run threat. He's also your guy on the goal line. Uh, there's a reason why he scored, what, 14 touchdowns or something ridiculous like that this year. And he's, Aaron he's, Jones has 17 touchdowns. 17 year. touchdowns. And he's, okay, he scored like seven of them in two games. So uh, he is their lead back. He is the, the, the guy that you need to shut down in the backfield. Williams is not going to kill you. Uh, he's just going to kind of – he's going to be the one that bleeds out the clock towards yeah, he'll the He'll annoy the you. That's or, exactly what that happened last time. In this, in, in and he annoys season. fantasy owners too. Right. Well, yeah, I had Aaron Jones in like every single freaking league this year. Yeah. And Jamal Williams was annoying to deal with. But um, it with Jones is going to be shifty. He'll accelerate really quick. Um, I think he's a better runner and more athletic and tougher to tackle. Um, and I think Jamal Williams is more reliable. Uh, and I think he, like you said, blocks better, which is why he gets more time as well. But they do this thing where they – they don't spell him in the middle of a drive. It's the guy like, all right, Aaron Jones, you're going to get this whole drive. And then, yeah. you know, they go down and score, they kick a field goal, whatever. And then the next drive, matter. it's Jamal Williams, and he plays the whole drive. Like, that's the one thing I haven't really understood because there's not really a pattern to how they use them besides that. So, um, but, I mean, like you said, when these two teams met last time, Aaron Jones, I think he had 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. And then at the end of the game, Jamal Williams was the – the guy on that last drive who kind of bled the clock out when the Vikings needed to get a stop uh, to get that ball back after the Kirk interception. And he was the guy who got a couple first downs. So not that Jamal's bad back. I just think Aaron Jones is very talented as a runner, but Williams is still effective, obviously. Absolutely. And really what kind of separates the two running backs here is the fact that Aaron Jones, you can split him out. And as you mentioned before, you can split him out as a wide receiver, basically, and he can run routes. He's kind of... This isn't a great comparison this year based off of the way that this other player has performed, but he's kind of an Alvin Kamara light in the way that the Packers use him. He's going to be used as a receiver. He's going to be used as a rusher. But ultimately, he's not a ground-and-pound runner. He's more of a guy that you're going to try to get to the outside and let him beat someone you know, to the edge. Yeah, that tends a little to bit be of a uh, Austin Eckler, too, kind yeah. of a similar where – like uh, the Chargers will put him out wide, or they'll put him in the slot, or they'll use that little jet sweep action with their little like pitch 
pass snap thing. Uh, they do that with Aaron Jones quite a bit. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, no, like I got quarterback you. gets it and just tosses it forward, and it technically counts as a pass, and it's like right. a foot. They do that with Aaron Jones quite a bit. So, But, they, I mean, they get these guys involved because they, A, are you know good with the football. They make people miss. But, B, their receiving core outside Devontae Adams is not much to you know. It's atrocious. It's, atrocious. It, it's It's rough. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously Minnesota with Thielen out had pretty weak besides Diggs. Um, but this might be worse. Yep. Outside of Adams. Yeah. So you're. This is the lineup that they're dealing with here in ho- as a whole. Uh, Adams is going to be at the top. He's your number one receiver. He is going to command the most attention. He's going to command the most targets. You've got Marquez Valdez Scantling, who I believe you just you mentioned this earlier as well. He basically runs one or two routes, and they almost always end up with him thirty or forty yards downfield. That tends to be what he's been this year. He ends up getting like two tar- two targets a game. And he has like a Deshaun Jackson stat line where it's like one catch for 45 yards and maybe a touchdown, something along those lines. He's certainly not a fully developed player. He just gives you a little bit of game-breaking ability. And once in a while, he'll beat you. I, I believe during the last Vikings game, he was basically ineffective. So double-check on that. Under 20, under 20 yards receiving for Valdez Scantling. Uh the rest of this depth chart, you got Jake Kumaro, who came from San Francisco uh, after, I believe he was undrafted. He's essentially a, he's kind of an, he's a, he's sort of a similar story to Adam Thielen, if I'm remembering him right. He was a, you know, a, a lower. Except for the all pro part and the, a, like thousand right. yard seasons and all of that. Right. Okay. Let me rephrase. He was, he's Adam, he's Adam Thielen, the Wisconsin version that hasn't bloomed yet and this, and he certainly is not – it does not seem he likely – Yes, he does not seem likely to bloom like Adam Thielen did. But he's from Wisconsin, Whitewater, so Packers fans embrace him. Yeah, screw them. So, yeah, I don't like – I also do not like Whitewater. They just so, beat the Johnnies. They just kicked the Johnnies out of the D3 playoffs, so okay. screw them. So a little, a little bit of bias there. Okay. So <laughs> the the other guys that we've got on this depth chart that will see some time, Geronimo Allison, who has some hilarious tweets. I highly recommend searching his name because I, I cannot – allowed to say what he said uh, on this show. So go ahead and check those out. That's really the best thing that he's brought to my life so far. Uh, He (laughs) has some talent. There are plenty of Packers faithful that believe that Allison will ultimately be the number two guy here. Uh, He has plenty of talent. He's got natural physical abilities, fluid, uh, but I don't think that he's got the highest football IQ. He runs incorrect routes sometimes. He's out of position quite a bit. He does a lot of things wrong. Let's just put it simply like that. So there's a reason why he gets taken off the field for guys like Alan Lazard, who does not necessarily have the greatest physical stature or the beaming 40-yard well, time. He's 6'5", 220. He's a big dude. That's the thing I'm scared about. Like We saw Mike Williams beat Mike Hughes last week a couple times. If there's any receiver besides Adams that I'd be a little bit scared of, it'd be Lazard, basically just because of his size. But he doesn't offer that like high upside athletic talent that you're looking no, for no, in a receiver. No, I know. I mean, none of these guys do. But and, like uh, from a pure size standpoint, there's a mismatch to be had there yeah. if it's schemed up the right way by Lafleur. And that's basically what you're going to get here from this receiving core. You've also got Ryan Grant too, who, to my knowledge, does not play all that much, and by all means, is not a factor in this passing offense. So that's the group that you're looking at for Aaron, that Aaron Rodgers will be throwing to. 
You can also include, you may as well include Aaron Jones in there as well because he basically plays wide receiver half the time. Yeah. Then so, Jimmy Graham, I suppose, but. Jimmy Graham has been, I don't know. Uh, let me ask you this question about Jimmy Graham. Was Jimmy Graham a product of Sean Payton? Was he never really that good of a player? Or did he age out when he went to Seattle and just he wasn't? I think both. Guy? I mean, it, it, I, any because any he, receiver any receiver benefits from being in that Saints offense. Of course, I mean, but he was the, literally the have had big seasons there. Like he so was on a Hall of Fame path. He was yeah. he was the best receiving tight end maybe of all time. At when him and Gronk were going, were kind of having those seasons were like uncustomary at the time, which were not customary. Uh, receiving seasons for tight ends before you got the Travis Kelseys and George Kittles, the world that all kind of came in all at once. It was basically Gronk and Graham. And Graham has not been the same since he got traded to Seattle. And he's even worse in Green Bay. He drops yeah. catches now. You know, he's he's basically been reduced to a red zone threat that sometimes drops the ball. That is who he is in this uh, offense at this point. Packers tight ends have never been like big receiving threats as far as you know since, since i've been following basically since you're michael right? finley but even then like he didn't put up big numbers and he was like as term, in terms of talent he was one of the most talented receiving tight ends uh like in football and he just he didn't put up the numbers that he should have i think because they just didn't throw to him very much in that offense and i, I thought it was kind of just a mccarthy thing and i thought this year he'd see something different but and maybe it's a Rodgers thing. He just turns away from his tight ends because he's always trying to scramble out and make the big play and all this stuff. I don't know. Or maybe he's but, damaged from Jermichael Finley because he still continues to come after him whenever he can. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe. <laughs> all right, so uh, to round out this offense, you got the front five here. A couple of nice names on, on this list. Uh, you've got David Bakhtiari, obviously, who has been a staple of this offensive line for quite some time. you got Brian Balaga on the right side, another talented offensive tackle. You know, very good bookends. Uh, historically speaking, I think th- as a unit, this 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 group has had a bit of a down year. But there are some you know some nice building blocks. Corey Lindsley a couple of years ago was seemed like a masterful draft pick in the sixth round. He's still very solid center. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I think that he has not performed to the level that he did as a rookie. Billy Turner, a former NDSU guy from Moundsview, Minnesota. Uh, he has been very, very average at right guard, uh, and that might be putting it kindly, to be honest with you. But then you've got this rookie, Elgin Jenkins, who might be, you know, the might be having the best season out of all five of them at the left guard spot. Uh, he's been absolutely dominant as a rookie. Fantastic player. You know, it seems like they got a really nice piece for this unit moving forward. But really, this kind of comes down to Bakhtiari and Balaga and how they're able to handle Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter as these matchups typically do when you have two outstanding defensive ends that get pressure like, you know, like no other. Uh, the difference being here is that I think the Vikings can get interior pressure on this this group here. Uh, Jenkins is, is outstanding, don't get me wrong, but you've got two links there in Turner and Lindsley, particularly Turner, that I think the Vikings can take advantage of. And, you know, as we've talked about in the past, when you're able to collapse the pocket from the outside, it really matters. It really becomes important how much of a push you can get up front. And I think that Billy Turner, especially, is a guy that you can get a push against uh, relative to the rest of this offensive line. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's like, uh, I mean, if you take away the first quarter, two, yeah, first quarter of that last game, um, 
Griffin and Hunter like were absolutely dominant in that game, and they like really made it, and like you could see the impact they were making, not necessarily getting the sacks, um, tallying the sacks in the in the stat sheet, but they were getting all kinds of pressures. Griffin nine by, nine yeah. quarterback hits. Yeah, total. Bakhtiari was getting beat often by Griffin, which right. hasn't been the case when that matchup has taken place very often. Um, but he he did pretty well in that game, which gives me a little bit more optimism for this matchup that the Vikings can get pressure on Rodgers. And like you said, if they, like, you know, Jaleel Johnson got some pressure last week um, and got that sack, if they can get somebody to step up and provide consistent pressure in the middle, um, that's only going to make it more difficult for Rodgers. Um, but yeah, I, I think between Hunter and Griffin, I think the Vikings are going to win a lot of the time there. Um, and I think they'll get a few sacks and get pressures and um, contain this offense that really isn't that uh, explosive to me. So um, it's not like I, I'm just not as scared. And the Vikings, in terms of pass rushing, uh, those the, those two bookends have been rock solid, has, as scary as any duo in the league. So I don't see, you know, while Blaga and Bakhtiari are a really good duo themselves at tackle, um, I like Hunter and Griffin to win that matchup most of the time and, and create some problems. Absolutely, and if the Vikings are able to get pressure on Rodgers too, that el- that effectively neutralizes, you know, I think the the biggest concern that I feel like most of us have entering this game, and that is the secondary going up against Devontae Adams with Rodgers fl- slinging it. So mm-hmm. uh, if the Vikings are able to get a nice effective pass, pass rush on a consistent basis through four quarters, uh, you know, this game could be uh, f- could heavily favor the Vikings from a defensive perspective because really – you know, if you can find a matchup for Devontae Adams, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if you can find one cornerback that gets hot within this rotation that the Vikings have been employing over the last couple of weeks, you know, that's really the the only guy that truly needs to be slowed down in this offense because I, I don't think Aaron Jones is beating the Vikings by himself. He's just not that he's not that type of running back. Uh, and if Rodgers can't throw on time, I mean, we've met, you mentioned it before, he has a tendency to throw the ball away when he, mm-hmm. you know, has an, a chance to attempt a risky throw, pressure will do that to you. So this really does come down to what Griffin and Hunter are able to do and if they can get off early. Uh, you know, if the Vikings can get off to an effective start defensively and not put themselves in a 21 nothing hole, I think they put themselves in a nice position to win this football game. Moving over to the defensive side of the football, the Packers have certainly improved defensively since last year. You know, credit to them for going out there and signing a couple of guys that have certainly helped. Adrian Amos from Chicago has been outstanding. You know, you look at the – honestly, all three of their kind of splash defensive signings between Amos and then the two uh, Smiths, Zadarius and Preston, yeah. they've really panned out very well for the Packers. They got three guys that fit their scheme well, that have that complement the other guys in their roster. And I think you can make a very strong argument that the best players on their defense are the three guys that they signed away from other teams this last offseason. So starting with their defensive line, uh, Mike Pettin's going to run a 3-4 defense. He's been doing this since he was in Buffalo and even before that as well. So you will get some interesting looks off the edge. Uh, That defensive line is not much to write home about. you got Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, the big monster in the nose. He's the most dangerous player that's going to be lining up exclusively on that defensive line. Then you've got Tyler Lancaster as well, who does not pose much of a threat relative to the rest of this league, of course. So the the really the big piece here is how they're going to line up Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith because those guys will move all around the formation. Um, you see Zadarius in particular uh, being the more pass rush heavy player. That's 
most of his game is rushing the passer. He's not Yep. I don't think he's that complete, you know, in terms of slowing down the run or, you know, co- covering anything else like that. He really is a defensive end that's labeled a linebacker. Uh, so he'll move around the formation. He'll get both, you know, the left side and the right side. However, the Vikings are able to, you know, settle this offensive line. Uh, he's also the guy that they, the Vikings will probably have an extra blocker in for. They'll probably try to throw a tight end on him. That's what kind of makes this formation difficult. You know, you'd line up the tight end on your strong side, and then they blitz uh, Zadarius Smith off the weak side, for example. So they do move him around effectively, and he's very dangerous. And Preston Smith is kind of the same way. He's more of a stay, more of a stay-at-home linebacker than Zadarius Smith is, but he does offer that pass rushing ability as well. Right. Those those are. I mean, Smith is the big name to look for. Just uh, look for Smith. Packers yeah. defense. Yes, exactly. Um, and then you know, the Vikings have battled against you know tough pass rushers before, um, and you know this offensive line is protecting Kirk pretty darn well lately. Uh, so. I think really where the Vikings can expose this group is going to be uh, with the run game. Packers' run run defense has been rather weak all year long. Uh, Opposing running backs have taken advantage of it, and and this is true, I think, for whether you know Dalvin Cook plays, whether he doesn't. I think the Vikings are going to be able to run the ball pretty well. I think the way that Madison and Boone run downhill and they kind of finish runs, they're not. I mean, obviously being elusive is a good thing, but their attitude is more find the hole, one cut get upfield and then get as many yards as you can that way. And I like that style with his zone scheme against his Packers front. So um, I, I think I don't think the Vikings will lose a whole lot in terms of their run game if Dalvin's out for that reason. Uh, and I, again, I think that's one way to really keep Smith, both Smith players uh, kind of at bay and uh, you know keep them neutralized is to run the ball well at them and then make them a little bit more hesitant to be, to be aggressive up the field uh, rushing the passer. Absolutely. You know, you look at kind of one of the downsides of running a 3-4 base defense is that you tend to be better pass rushing, but you do give up a little bit more, you know, in terms of run defense. And the Packers certainly are, they kind of fit that mold. You know, they have a ton of sacks, most of them coming from someone named Smith. Yeah. And, but they don't effectively contain Uh, that, you know, that could be going up the middle. You know, if you can get basically, if you can get past Kenny Clark going up the middle, you're 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 good. You're gonna get four, five, six, seven, etc. But and if you're going to the edge, I don't trust any of these linebackers for the Packers to slow down. If especially if Dalvin Cook plays, he ran. I mean, he ran wild the last time these two teams played. Like there is legitimate precedent here to state that Dalvin Cook could easily go for 150 again if he's you know able to play. You know. 70 to 85 percent of the snaps which i tend to lean like that the vikings aren't gonna use him all that much yeah i'm hoping that you know i'm hoping that's not the case but well and I, if if they've already clinched a spot which is very possible entering the rams game, lose, yeah. the rams lose saturday night they're gonna be in the playoffs i would imagine that they'll proceed with a lot of caution and probably not play him but you never know and if rams do win then um i those going to be more of a sense of urgency to win this game and i'm sure dalvin will be at least suited up but uh i mean like you said this this defense can be exposed and dalvin certainly has that home run ability we saw it last time these two teams played yep and they do have two cornerbacks that i would consider honestly i'd consider both of them to be 
uh, gamblers at this point. Jair Alexander specifically is the one that gets a little bit more name recognition, being a first-round pick out of Louisville. Uh, he's he's been dangerous in the past, not just to the Vikings, but to uh, you know pretty much every every team around the league. But he also can be exposed in the same way that Marcus Peters has been exposed throughout his career. You know, trying to jump a play, make a you know make a big play for the defense, and ends up you know allowing a significant play downfield. Uh, same can be said for Kevin King. He's not as dangerous as Alexander. Uh, he's, you know, he's a biz- bigger, more physical cornerback. But he did. He is the one that beat Kirk Cousins on that big play uh, that decided the first matchup. So the cornerbacks are two guys to keep an eye on. I also do like the rookie Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage. Uh, it's probably the best jersey name to have. By the way, if you're if you're a Packers mm-hmm. fan and you're going to buy a jersey, why would you not buy a Savage jersey? <laughs> it's perfect. Because it um, works if he leaves the team, too. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm a savage. I'm savage. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's He's been a solid player all season. He's having a great rookie campaign. But as a whole, the big pieces here, look for the Smiths and look for Adrian Amos over the top. Uh, he plays. He basically plays center field for this defense and can be effective in the same ways that you've seen Anthony Harris be effective for the Vikings throughout um, this past season and really last season as well. So uh, that's basically the makeup of this defense, you know, if you're able to neutralize, I, I think Zadarius Smith is really the one that you need to shut down just because he is like, he is definitively to me, the better, the best pass rusher that they're going to have on this team. He's the guy that you should double team. Preston Smith is solid, but he doesn't get to the passer as effectively as Zadarius Smith. He's more of a, to me, he's more of a cleanup crew guy than a guy that is busting up the, you know, busting off the edge and, you know, beating your best offensive lineman. That tends to be a Zedaria Smith. So if you can slow him down, find a way to keep him off the board, uh, that really will put the Vikings offense in a position to run downhill, as you noted, and then also take advantage of, you know, this, the soft spots in the secondary. You know, like I said, they do gamble quite a bit at corner. They also get beat quite a bit just straight up. Uh, this is, you know, Alexander has very high potential. Uh, in my opinion, he hasn't realized it just yet. There are moments that make him look like an all-pro, and there are moments that make him look like he should be working at Walgreens. So that's basically what I see from this defense front to back. Uh, Ultimately, if you slow down Zadarius Smith, you're probably going to be in a good position to win this football game. So, um, you know, I look at this team as a whole. I'm going to pose this question to you that I brought up earlier. You you have the opportunity here to flip quarterbacks if you want. You can have Aaron Rodgers oh, with the man. Vikings, or you can have Kirk Cousins, the way that he's been playing all year. Who would you Who would you rather have? I mean, Is it for this game only. For this game only, you know, we've 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 I've gone through it with you. Statistically, it's been all Cousins overall this year in terms of bringing your team back when they're down or winning the game, putting the team on your back and winning the football game. Again, it's been Cousins all year. He's been the he has been the better quarterback all season long, but in this yeah. game. On Monday night, where Cousins is 0-8, by the way, I'm sure they'll yeah. tell you that. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up, but gonna uh, tell I'm, you that. I'm gonna go. I'm going with Kirk. I am, and for as much as not really because <laughs> of the whole primetime thing, but um, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been a big Rogers guy. I still am. Uh, I still think he's a bro and would be like sick to hang out with and, and all that. And I think he's, I, I also think he's a top five talented quarterback of all time. Um, with that said though, clearly he's dropped off. I'm not blind to that. 
uh, this year. It's certainly a down year for him. And meanwhile, it's a, an, up, an up year for Kirk. Uh, he's just been efficient. He's taken care of the ball. Um, and you know, this is without Adam Thielen. Uh, you know, his number two receiver has been BC Johnson for a majority of the season. So you have to take that into account. He's playing really well. He's taking care of the ball. He's throwing deep better than anybody in the NFL in terms of accuracy. Uh, I think he's the guy I'd want despite the 0-8 Monday night record um, because, for what it's worth, Aaron Rodgers is 0-3 as a starter at U.S. Bank Stadium. That's that's a good point. So we're bringing two losing records into this matchup. Yep. I, I would take Kirk as well. But uh, I think, to me, it just comes down to the fact that Cousins has just been better this year. That I can't say I can't emphasize this enough because we don't get no one's no one in the national media is going to tell you that or no one. Well, it, it, it's funny because the the whole Pro Bowl thing came out and I I don't like doing the whole Pro Bowl thing because it sucks because it's all about it's a popularity contest way more than it is about actual performance and guys get their incentives and their contracts based on Pro Bowls and guys get screwed over when they're they should be getting a bonus and vice versa guys that don't deserve one are getting one but. Um, it, when Rodgers was announced as a Pro Bowl quarterback in the NFC, um, <laughs> people are that's the one that people are questioning the most out of really any part of the roster. And, you know, people are saying, well, Kirk or Dak should definitely be in instead of him. Um, and you can make a case, for obviously, for Kirk or Dak to be the guy. But I think most people think Rodgers does not belong. He's basically in there because of name recognition, I guess, and the fact that his team is 11-3 is and three versus uh, – you know, Dak at seven seven, Kirk at ten and four, but those guys have definitely played a lot better than than Aaron Rodgers has. I would agree, and hopefully Kirk does have the opportunity to play in the Pro Bowl because he definitely deserves it. So, or he does not get the chance to play in the Pro Bowl because he is preparing for a game the next week. That's a that's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. Uh, all right, let's let's jump into our picks here and wrap this thing up. Start with the Packers Vikings game since we just discussed it. Um, ultimately, it sounds like you're leaning Minnesota. Everything that you've said to date suggests yeah. that you're on the Vikings here. Is that the case? Yes, I am leaning Minnesota. I think the Vikings will win by about a touchdown. Um, I, I, th- I said this before last week's Chargers game, but of the final three games of the season, uh, I was the most confident about this game, the Packers game, and I still am. Uh, Vikings at home. Uh, I don't think there's a team in the, in the NFL that I would pick to beat the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium right now. Um, maybe the Ravens. But maybe. overall, I like the Vikings to win this game. I think the Packers are a super overrated 11-3 team. I'm going with the Vikings. Yeah, I'm going with the Vikings as well. Uh, if Dalvin Cook plays, I feel even more uh, even st- more strongly. Is that, uh, is that normal? Stronger. English? Stronger. Yeah, better. That would that would work. Better. Yeah, I feel very I feel very good about this matchup as it is, but I feel even better if Delvin Cook is on the field. Obviously, uh, to me, you know, the Packers and Vikings always play close. It, it, it's it's been like that basically my entire life. Even when the Vikings are bad or the Packers are bad, these games are always close. So, uh, to me, this is probably going to be a five or six point game. It might come down to a field goal, but ultimately, I do think the Vikings win this game. I think they're the more complete team right now, and the quarterback is playing better. I, I, have I said that enough times this episode? The Vikings have been the better team this year. They just they royally screwed themselves over, you know, back in what week two, which again just another reason to figure out that scheduling. No division games in September, please. Moving forward, so both of us are on the Minnesota. 
We believe that the Vikings are going to get this job done, and we'll move into Week 17 with a chance for the North. So uh, let's get into the other picks for this week, starting with Houston and Tampa Bay. That's the first game that we'll start out this week. I believe that one's on Saturday. We get a Saturday yeah. slate of game games this uh, this weekend uh, for the Fantasy Championship. So Houston heads down to Tampa Bay. Uh, they need a win. Uh, they just came off of a huge one against Tennessee, but Tennessee will have the opportunity to get right back into it next week. If Houston loses, do they get a job? Do they do they get the job done in Tampa Bay? I, I got Tampa Bay, and uh, it just seems like is that a hate pick? Is that a pick that you don't like? No, 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 no. Hey, I'm a big Deshaun Watson fan. Uh, this is more of a both teams are really weird. And I'm going to pick against the green because I know you're going to pick Houston and I kind of want to get a leg up on you. So that's honestly, if I were to give you, you know, full disclosure as to why I'm picking the Bucks, that's going to be it. Yeah, I'm taking Houston. Uh, I was going to, I would take Houston over most teams because I do think that they're one of the best overall teams in the NFL this season, despite the fact that they have been a bit of a roller coaster. But they're extremely talented. Uh, they're, I want to say they're well coached, but I don't have a, great read on Bill O'Brien, so I might give the coaching edge here to uh, to Bruce Arians, but ultimately I think Houston gets it done. I think this this is going to come down to another Jameis mistake. You know, He's going to throw an that's, interception. That's very likely that. considering the receivers he's playing with this week. Uh, no good. Godwin or Evans, so. but I'm yeah. still going to pick him just because. Because why not? Alright, uh, so we're split on that one. Buffalo at New England, this is one of the you know, if you're an AFC person, if you're someone who tracks the AFC um, consistently, this is one of the most fun matchups that we've seen in years because this gives Buffalo the opportunity to win a division that, I mean, let's just be real here. This would be great to see New England dethroned, and Buffalo has a legitimate opportunity to do so. They're playing better football right now collectively than New England is. That being said, we've been calling Buffalo pretenders all year, and New England is a dynasty for a reason, so how does this one shake out? I think the Patriots freaking kill them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's part of that's just I, th- I feel like this Patriots defense is going to shred Josh Allen yeah. and I think the Bills might get might the Bills are going to be lucky to score like 10 points in this game uh, so I got Patriots at home uh, I think that Bills offense gets exposed I'm taking Buffalo because I want to see it not because I necessarily think they're the better team but because I want to be on the right end of history here uh, all right Buffalo has I don't hate it they have a very very good defense as well uh, New England's offense is soft too. You know this team. These like this mat. This is a matchup between two great defenses and two very subpar offenses. So to me, I'll take the mobile quarterback to get the win. That's give me that. That's that's the difference here. The fact that Josh Allen can move around a little bit and Tom Brady is simply not himself. Uh, he's still he's still going to get this team into the playoffs, and they're going to. I'm sure New England will do fine in the playoffs, but he's not himself. I'm sorry. Moving on to the next one here, another great matchup. This one is, you know, huge for the Vikings. This one also played on Saturday. Los Angeles, the Rams, that is, they head to San Francisco. And as you previously mentioned, if Los Angeles loses this game, the Vikings are effectively in the playoffs before they even see the field on Monday night. Does San Francisco get this one done for the boys in purple? They do. Uh, Despite the loss at home last week to Atlanta, um, I think the Rams, like, I remember the last two times you – uh, last time these two teams played, Jared Goff had like 12 yards passing through three quarters and a couple picks. Like it was horrendous. Uh, and I'm going to trust the Niners defense to do that again. Jared Goff is just – that's the worst contract and, and quarterback history. <laughs> it's bad. Certainly making Kirk Cousins' contract look good. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll take San Francisco as well. They're the better team. They're the 
it's it's hard for me to say this, but this year Kyle Shanahan has been done a better job coaching than Sean McVay has. So I think they have the coaching edge. They've got the home field advantage. They're still without Richard Sherman, I believe. But uh, ultimately, I think that San Francisco gets this one done. And that ultimately is what decides whether or not Dalvin Cook plays, I think. So um, I would look for the Niners to get that one and the Vikings in the postseason as well. Uh, Jacksonville at Atlanta, two really bad teams. Game that we probably don't want to pick but have to. Who you got yeah. in this one? Um, Atlanta's actually been like pretty good lately, which is weird. Cause they beat – they beat the Saints and the 49ers on the road, like in the past month. Hey, they, they have a good team. They just aren't good. They do. Good they were 1-7, and seven, now they're 5-9. and nine. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm, the Falcons are like good now, so I'm going to pick them at home. Yeah, I'm taking the Falcons as well. Uh, Julio Jones is a beast. I expect him to devour this Jacksonville secondary that no longer has Jalen Ramsey. So, mm-hmm. uh, Baltimore-Cleveland, uh, this one could have been a fun game, but Cleveland kind of pissed down their leg, and this is no longer a fun kind of rematch yeah, of well, – the trouncing. Browns, yeah, the Browns beat them by 15. They crushed them. Uh, last time. But I'm going with Baltimore. Uh, yeah. Although, I wanted to pick Cleveland. I really did. And it was just about three weeks ago or so I kind of finally hopped off that, that, that Cleveland train. Yep. I'm in on Baltimore as well. I don't think that anyone can beat Baltimore until I see it. That's just how I feel about the Ravens right now. That offense is just – they don't punt. They don't punt. And when they kick, they make it. So, I, I don't know how you beat the Ravens right now. So, I'll take Baltimore. Uh, New Orleans at Tennessee, this is a uncharacteristically interesting showdown between an NFC and an AFC opponent uh, late in the season. Drew Brees will continue to try to mount that touchdown record, so uh, Tom Brady is unable to catch him. On the other hand, Ryan Tannehill will try to get Tennessee right back into things in the AFC South after losing to Houston last week. Who you got in this one? I got Tennessee. Um, Road Drew Brees is going to show up. You know, it's it's actually – it's pretty nuts how much different he is at the Superdome, especially in prime time where he just yep. happens to never miss a throw. Um, on the road uh, against, you know, a, a Tennessee defense that is sneaky good. Like the secondary, I think, can be exposed. And I th- I'm sure Michael Thomas have a good game. But um, they do have some some sneaky guys in the front seven. Uh, I got Tennessee winning this game, and I'm actually pretty confident in that. I'm going to take New Orleans because they were my Super Bowl pick. I still think they're arguably the best team in the NFC. Uh, They're extremely dangerous top to bottom. Michael Thomas is having a historic season. I expect that to continue at Tennessee, and they get the job done for my Houston Texans. Uh, Carolina at Indianapolis, another terrible late-season matchup here. Uh, Really no relevance to anything here. Uh, Kyle Allen has fallen completely apart. We might see Will Greer. That could be fun. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has not been great over the last several weeks. That offense has been, you know, a, a show to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you got in this one? Uh, I think the Colts bounce back after the Saints game. They're going to win. Um, Panthers. I, I I I know for a fact that Will Greer is better than Kyle Allen, so they they do have that going for them. Um, but I'll take the Colts mostly because they're at home in this one. I'll take Carolina just because there has been a weird trend this year of players getting their a win on their first start, quarterbacks, that is. That's you know, true. We've had David Blau, you know, uh, all the backups that have came in and won football games, Gardner Binshew probably being the best story out of all of them. You know, there's been a lot of wins for first-timers at the quarterback position. And, you know, if, if you're going to go against a team to try to get that first win – 
Indianapolis is a good candidate right now based on the fact that their roster is essentially completely depleted. And they're in a, just a horrible position at this point in the season. So, all right, the next one up here, real barn burner. We expect this one to be, <clears throat> excuse me, we expect this one to be a, a matchup between O and whatever teams. However, Miami has kind of gotten a few wins here and have looked solid, at least offensively. And Cincinnati has brought Andy Dalton back in, and he's made them competitive again. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not a – this match doesn't matter for postseason contention-wise, but might be a little bit interesting based off of the way the two teams play. Cincinnati heads to Miami. Who gets it done? Uh, I got Miami. Uh, also, did you know who is the leading rusher for the Dolphins right now? Uh, isn't it Ryan Fitzpatrick? It is. He has like yeah. 213 yards or something like that. Yeah. Mark, he just passed Mark Walton, who is no longer in the NFL anymore. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the guy has 200 something yards, and he's leading his team. I'm here. 15 for, games. I'm here for Ryan Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker. That connection yeah. is working, and it's awesome. So next one here, Pittsburgh heads to the New York Jets. The Jets have not been good this year, but I think they do have the potential to end this season for Pittsburgh. Uh, Duck Hodges is going to get the start once again. He was awful, awful the last time he was on the field. Uh, the Jets and the Pirates – Pirates, it's funny. The Steelers season <laughs> at home in New York this weekend. Yes, I'm going with the Jets because of how bad the Steelers looked against the Bills um, during that primetime game. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just because – they seem to find a way to win games, though I do truly believe that the Jets can win this game, and I'm not going to be shocked if they do. But the, but Pittsburgh just keeps finding ways to win, with exception to you know that ridiculous outing that you just mentioned there. So I'll pick Pittsburgh. We'll split on that one. Uh, Giants and Redskins here, are the next one NFC East matchup that doesn't matter. We got a one. We got one coming up here that matters a little bit more. Uh, it's going to be Eli Manning. He's going to try to break that 500 record, and he's going against an opponent that he certainly has a strong opportunity to do so. I think I'm going to go with the Giants. Uh, they've kind of they found their offense a little bit last week, although it was against Miami. But I'm going to go with the Giants uh, just because it seemed like they have a competent offense now. Uh, yeah. And whether it's against bad team or, or bad defense or not, um, this is a bad. I mean, well, Washington's a little bit underrated defensively, I suppose. They're a little bit better than Miami, but I'm still going to go with the Giants. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants as well. Uh, you mentioned the 1974 offense that Bill Callahan likes to run. That's just not going to get it done in today's NFL consistently. So uh, give me the Giants. As long as they score 20, they're going to win this football game. Uh, Detroit at Denver, showdown between two teams, kind of two what-could-have-been teams here. You know, we we're into a situation now with Drew Locke, who is – seems to be trending in the right direction. Uh, Detroit, without Matthew Stafford, completely depleted offensively. I don't know how they get it done. Do you see a way that the Lions win this one in Denver? No, Denver. Denver's winning this game. Yeah, I've got Denver as well. I don't... Detroit just can't compete right now. I I feel sorry for their fans, too. There's just nothing left on that offense to work with. Marvin Jones is out now, too. I mean, it's Kenny Galladay against the world right now for them, so... And... Denver's defense is their strong point. So give me Denver. Uh, Oakland at the Chargers. Uh, Oakland has fallen off completely. The Chargers obviously coming off of a you know, pretty decisive loss to the Vikings last week. 
you know, this uh, this matchup could have been fun a couple of weeks ago. It's certainly not anymore. It doesn't matter for the AFC at all if we got in this one. I got the Chargers. Uh, I, I, there's no really reason why. Reason why I, I don't know. I, next, let's pick a different game. <laughs> uh, the most important game of the weekend, period. Dallas at Philadelphia. This one will ultimately decide the NFC East division, and we will find out where the five seed will be traveling um, as after the result of this game here. Philadelphia is depleted offensively. They're down to, what, two receivers? One of them doesn't like to catch passes, apparently. Looking at you, Mr. Arcega-Whiteside. And uh, Dallas, on the other hand, is coming off of probably their best win in terms of like complete performance, maybe of the season. It is, for sure. Uh, that's why I'm going with Philly, because there's no way they do that twice in a row. <laughs> so I'm going with Philly at home, uh, even though their number one receiver right now is Greg Ward, who was on – was he a practice squad guy like two weeks ago? He's Maybe he wasn't guy. in the league. He might not have been in the league a month ago. He might have been the same NFL status as us about yeah. a month ago. Yeah. So I'm taking Philadelphia, too. I'm taking them for a different reason, though. They're playing at home. Dallas has not played well really anywhere this season for the most part. Uh, but they definitely don't play great on the road. And I think that the Philly fans will get to Dallas this week. I think they'll calm their, their you know, whatever excitement was built last week. I think Philadelphia will do a good job effectively taking that away from them. So mm-hmm. Philadelphia for both of us. Arizona at Seattle coming down to the end here. Uh, Seattle. Seattle, yeah. And the last one, Kansas City plays the Bears this weekend. Does Pat Mahomes uh, get it done against that defense? Yes, it's the uh, it's the what if bowl for the for the Bears when they drafted Trubisky with Mahomes still on the board. That's a good point. Uh, I'm taking the the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think that'll be very close. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. Kansas City can kind of play defense now, by the way. So that I mean, good luck Mitchell Trubisky trying to keep up with Pat Mahomes in that offense. So uh, that rounds out our picks for the week. Let's finish up here with the gambling lock and get you guys out of here. Last week, as I said, my Tampa Bay minus three and a half. That one was a winner. Drew's Los Angeles Rams minus two did not hit. That did not go over well for you. No, no, it didn't. No, it did. Uh, this week, I have Titans plus three uh, at home against the Saints. Uh, I think they're going to win the game outright. So plus three, obviously, is the lock. Yeah. Um, they uh, that the the Saints on the road. Breeze is not going to be as effective. Meanwhile, Ryan Tannehill in the last few games at home has been electric in that offense. So I'll take the Titans uh, plus three. Yep. Okay. So I th- I'm sensing a bit of a theme here. I'm going to go Buffalo plus seven. I think they're also going to win that game outright. That's against New England. I'm betting against the Patriots. I figure I, I can't get any more wrong than I've been this year. I may as well just, you know, throw this one up as a Hail Mary. You know, if Buffalo is able to to win this game it just means so much for that organization for that fan base Uh, that's really why I'm making this pick I think it's seven points is a lot to give to two defensive teams too this one could be like the final score could realistically be like 10 to 6 and I could it's gonna be it's gonna be like 16 to 0 Patriots okay well (laughs) I don't think that's gonna happen so Buffalo plus seven for me Tennessee plus three for Drew final thoughts before we get out of here no, I don't have any. Um, anything good? No, no, I, I, no. 
I don't I don't have anything interesting to say either. I'm tired and I'm I'm am ready to be done with this show. So, uh, <laughs> as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere that you get your podcasts, except for Spotify. You can subscribe there. We appreciate that. Leave a review if you want. That'd also be nice for us. Uh, you can find us on the Daily Norseman as well. Leave a comment in the section. We like to read that every week. It's fun for us. And you can watch us on YouTube as well if you prefer that method of content. So that's all we got for you this week. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening as always. And hopefully the next time we talk to you, we'll be talking about a chance for the Vikings to win the NFC North. Regardless of how you know unlikely that seems, we'll have an opportunity to talk about it if the Vikings are able to get it done on Sunday. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. Ooh.